You're listening to the Quince podcast. While Greta Thunberg, a Swedish teen activist, has been celebrated worldwide for her bold movement on climate change, in India, an anti-terrorism law was quote-unquote erroneously used against students to shut down an online movement on the environment. The website for the Indian arm of Fridays for Future, or FFF, which is the international environmental movement led by Thunberg, was blocked and two notices were sent first under the UAPA on 8th July and then under the IT Act on 12th July to the domain hosts alleging depiction of quote, objectionable contents and unlawful activities or terrorist act, end quote. And why is that? Because the portal was allegedly used to send lakhs of emails to Environment Minister Prakash Javadega's email address against a proposed change in the environmental laws known as the Draft Environment Impact Assessment or the EIA 2020. And behind those emails are a bunch of school students who received the notice from the Delhi Police's Cybercrime Unit, accusing them of challenging the quote-unquote sovereignty and integrity of India. After word got out through reports and through screenshots of the notices on social media, on 24 July, the Delhi Police claimed that the UAPA charges were a quote-unquote clerical error and that it was withdrawn, and the charges under the IT Act were also retracted. A little while after, the website also appeared to have been restored, but clerical error or not, what message does it send on censorship and muzzling dissent? In this podcast, you'll hear from Bahadat, the environmental journalist who broke the story on Twitter, environmentalist Bhavreen Khandari, advocate Abhinav Sekri who provided legal assistance to FFF, Manju Menon, a senior fellow from the Centre for Policy Research and M. Yuvan, an environmental educator. You're listening to The Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you. And I'm your host, Shorbury. From leading talks at international climate summits to proposing controversial amendments to environmental protection rules, the Indian government's position on climate change is starting to look rather evasive. On 23rd July, environment journalist Bahar Dutt took to Twitter to write about how the anti-terrorism law had been used against students to shut down a digital movement. And at the centre of the digital movement was the proposed EIA draft of 2020. For close to two months now, there have been online campaigns by environmental experts and activists opposing the new draft which they claim to be regressive and I'll be getting into further details on the EIA draft in just a bit. But the Environment Ministry had put up the draft notification for public feedback. And as a part of the feedback process, certain environment advocacy groups had released draft emails requesting the Environment Ministry to withdraw the draft EIA notification. And that's exactly what the students and FFF movement was opposing. Did it merit invoking UAP against the FFF portal? Bahadat says that while it's heartening to know that the charges have been dropped, it's still a precarious battle. And all the students um, had really done was ask people uh, to send in their emails to the Ministry of Environment, Forest and Climate Change, sharing their feedback on why they feel this law should not be diluted. Um, Agree, disagree, I think that's part of democracy. But uh, to level charges, uh, you know, under, uh, you know, an anti-terror act, I think was taking it to an extreme. It's extremely heartening to note that the UAPA charges against 
the students uh, from Fridays for Future India, they've been dropped. But uh, I think it's still a precarious battle. Uh, there is a fear, there's a fear among students uh, that uh, what's the action that's going to be taken against us? And I remember the students wanted to, wanted to, you know, come on camera, talk to journalists. And my advice to them was, uh, you know, perhaps don't do it because uh, what if action is taken against you tomorrow? Right now, uh, the um, the complaint which was lodged was really against the portal. It didn't take specific names. Um, so I'm glad that this has happened. Uh, I'm also glad uh, that, uh, you know, uh, I believe in the power of uh, the collective media, the fact that one was able to put this out on social media, the fact that uh, a lot of digital news websites took this up. Environmentalist Bhavreen Khandari believes that if not for the online movement and the students, most of the country wouldn't know about the EIA draft at all or the impending environment crisis that we're heading into. Uh, the Fridays for Future has uh, been a movement that has actually uh, jolted the whole world and woken them from a um, sleep that nobody was concerned you know, about the climate change and the urgency to actually... Uh, solve uh, this huge crisis that we are heading into. In spite of all that, uh, you know, uh, our government and policy makers continue to make decisions that are going to have a lasting, you know, negative effect on on the environment and uh, you know our children's future. And uh, so the children and the students took this on them, following on Greta Thunberg's step and their steps. They have been, you know, uh, striking from schools and uh, doing campaigns and you know, educating people, bringing awareness, and uh, I sure don't see the reason for them to be called terrorists or or any anything unlawful in that. And um, here was an environment impact assessment. I can, you know, very, very firmly say that maybe 85 to 90 percent of the people that we live around do not know what that is. It's thanks to the children that they took forward these campaigns. Before we get to why the EIA draft has been receiving such a huge opposition and what are the red flags around it, what has especially been causing so much outrage on the issue is the shocking application of terrorism charges to shut down the website. The charges were withdrawn only as suddenly as they were issued within 10 days, but the public anger against the move is still lingering on social media. As I've said earlier, the Delhi police called it a quote-unquote clerical error and in a statement to the Quinn, they said that they're looking into how the error was committed. But does it make for a weak defence? I spoke to advocate Abhinav Sekri who provided legal assistance to FFF and he says that the UAPA isn't a normal legislation. It comes with a pretty big impact and perhaps it needs to be used with better care. And this is recorded from a phone conversation. The audio quality isn't that great, but please do strain your ears to listen to what he says. And the second, I do think that a message that does get sent out is that uh, maybe there is a greater degree of care required before taking action, especially action where uh, the, the UAP is not a, 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 a normal legislation, it is an anti-terror legislation, and it can really have a grave impact upon anyone's life, even as an even as an allegation, as an accusation. So maybe much greater degree of care is required before employers using this law in any context. Now coming straight to the heart of the matter, the EIA draft. 
In the wake of the Bhopal gas tragedy, India had legislated an environmental protection law in 1986 to protect and improve environmental quality, control and reduce pollution and also restrict industrial activities on environmental grounds. That came to be known as the Environment Protection Act. M. Yuvan, an environmental educator, gives a little background on what the EIA means and what powers it gives to the central government. First thing to understand about the EIA draft is that now there are laws in the country which give powers, certain powers to the government. Yeah. Right. Now, now EIA comes from which law? It comes from the Environmental Protection Act, specifically Section Three. If you read the EIA draft, also it will say, based on the powers of Section Three, we are doing this. What does Section Three? What powers does it give the government? If you read the first paragraph of Section Three, it says it gives powers to the central government to take any measures necessary and expedient to protect and improve the quality of the environment. That is the power which has been given. Now, the, the present EIA does nothing to protect it to improve the quality of the environment. It is unprotecting it and is full of legalization of violation. Okay. So it is in contravention to the law. So this is usually sometimes if we don't know the law, uh, the government ends up misusing or abusing the law. This is a very classic case of that and a lot of experts have pointed out to it. It's an unlawful notification because of it is not using the law correctly. Since its inception in 1994, the EIA, which was supposed to ensure that no developmental or industrial project causes irreversible damage to the environment, was amended in 2006. And what started as a noble cause soon headed towards a slippery slope and the 2020 draft is no better. Manju Menon, a senior fellow at the Centre for Policy Research, explains how the new draft compromises with the environmental and living conditions. And when it's implemented well on projects, on large projects, this notification helps us understand all the potential impacts that large projects could have on local resources and the people living in those areas. Um, although the notification since 1994 has experienced many challenges and lots of people have fought hard to improve it, the latest set of challenges are the latest set of changes that the government has proposed are particularly problematic because they compromise our environments and living conditions in a major way. Uh, there are two particular ways in which the notification actually makes it uh, difficult to uh, f to perform its uh, the function that it is meant for. Uh, uh, firstly, uh, the notification now allows uh, at least the draft notification. It proposes that projects who have been operating even without the the approval under the EI notification can continue to do so under certain conditions and get what's called a post facto approval. Now this is seriously problematic because it actually blurs the line between what are legal projects and what are illegal projects operating without the required approvals and assessments. Another way in which this notification creates a lot of problems is that it reduces the, uh, the clauses for public participation which is a very important aspect of the EI notification and which is what has helped a lot of people make use of the EI notification to protect their environments. It reduces that public participation clause for so many kinds of projects. 
like for example it ends up saying it, it, some clauses state that uh, a public hearing notice will be given only of 20 days as compared to 30 days which was the uh, which was the notice period that was available under the existing law and it also states that for many uh, kinds of projects there will be no public hearing at all now that basically means that people uh, living around the projects that are coming up uh, um, around certain kinds of projects that are coming up will have absolutely no say in how those projects could be regulated or run then there are other kinds of problems with this notification. For example, uh, it says that if certain kinds of projects are going to expand up to 50%, then they, know, don't, then they get certain kinds of exemptions under the EI notification. Or it says that if these projects are of strategic importance, and that's, it's not really clear because the government can actually uh, state that any project that it proposes is of strategic importance, then those kinds of projects will also, can also avail of certain kinds of exemptions. And one of the most critical things that it says is that um, it allows certain kinds of projects to, uh, to have a validity period of their environmental clearances for very long durations. Now that basically means that projects can avail their environmental clearances and then not construct those projects at all. Now that basically means that this is a permission to have more land grabs and this is not actually about development in that case. The collective voice against the mindless criminal charges issued against the FFF ensured the revoking of those charges, but can it also roll back the controversial EIA amendments? If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to the Big Story playlist for episodic updates. We'll have on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website and check out the podcast section. For any feedback, shoot an email to podcasts at thequin.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quinn's website and check out our other podcasts.